Happy Friday afternoon, friends. It's been a big one. Um, the nonprofit now playing that I run got to take an entire school of kids to go see Black Panther this morning. And then this afternoon, a new episode of the Incredible Halt podcast. I cannot wait to share it with you. Rob Bell and Andrew Morgan. Andrew Morgan is the director of the documentary about Rob Bell called The Heretic. It's out now on Amazon and iTunes, and I cannot recommend it enough. I had a great time. We talked for about 40 minutes about all sorts of stuff. I think you'll have a great time. So without further ado, friends, it's Rob Bell, Andrew Morgan, and this is the Incredible Hulk Podcast. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Robert raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Eric, it's Andrew. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm super excited to talk to you guys. I hope now still works. Yes, man. We're thrilled. I've got Rob here. Uh, do you want me to turn my camera on? I, it, it, was- do- it doesn't matter. I just wanted you to know that there was a real human. It wasn't a robot or anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no. I love that. I really do. I When I had mine or for another thing, it was like causing the, it was like maxing out the internet. So I'm going to leave mine off and yours on. <laughs> All right. We so, don't want let's not break the internet. How about that? Let's not do that. Well, first, I just want to say thank you guys for taking the time. I'm super excited to talk uh, about the movie. But before we get there, Andrew, I want to start with you um, and just give a really quick shout out for anyone who is like this is their first foray, for for I should say, into what you're doing and say the true cost is on Netflix right now and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and that's kind of where I want to start my questioning is like you come out of that project and, and what were what were you feeling and how do you end up here? Well, for that film, uh, we spent a lot of time traveling to different parts of the world. And I think for me, it was the first time that I saw firsthand just the unfinished, uneven world that we're living in. And um, I think it, 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 in a very real sense, gave me a hunger for some answers in terms of how do we create a story that actually serves more human beings on this planet? How do we actually find the tools we need to move past um, – a very destructive way we've organized the world <laughs> right? in a lot of ways. And I think that just had me very open. It also had me very humble. You know, when you're young and you kind of think like <laughs> you have a false sense of arrogance, like you understand how the world works and you, that, that experience of making that film and traveling um, just kind of broke that apart and made me very aware of the fact that we need all the help we can get. Well, and it, 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 it's interesting because when I'm when I watch it, I'm six minutes into it and I'm like, OK, I need to pause for a second and get in the right frame of mind because this is something different. Right. Because to your mm-hmm. point, like at 40 years old, you're like, OK, I think I got it wrapped up, but this I, I'm not ready for this. So I needed to kind of refocus, which leads me to like my next line of questioning, which goes to you, Rob. So I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but on the Robcast, you said essentially Andrew came to you and said, you and Kristen, I've got this idea. I want to make a movie. And you go, that sounds great. Do whatever you want to do. And then two years later, he comes back and goes, it's done. Saturday, I got you two tickets. Do you want to watch it? Like, is that essentially the process? Yeah. (laughs) All right. The general rule, I've always found the truth is more helpful. There's less you have to remember. And the truth is generally better. That is actually what happened. And, And he had a couple specific things he said. He said... 
I think there might be something here, but I'm asking for access because I don't have a script or direction or what it's even about. I would just need to shoot and then maybe over the course of a long time, years and years, something might emerge. So he was really clear that he didn't know if there was a film or if what it would be exactly. And then secondly, we were both like, it's your film. So no, Kristen and I, no creative control, no editing, no approval. It would have to all be you. Um, so that was all set up from the get-go. Because if you're going to go, go all the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> for, sh- <laughs> for sure. And, and I guess I, I wonder, though, Andrew, like how far into this process until you figured out what the story was going to be? Because, I mean, the movie is spectacular. I cannot recommend it enough. But I'm wondering, like, at what point are you like, oh, I got this dialed and I know what we're doing now. Well, I think for me it was the moment of realizing that the things that I was personally curious about a lot of this touched on my background, how I grew up. Um, the things about what Rob was doing that was that were very interesting to me as a as a person. When I began to realize these things that I find fascinating are also things that cut to the very center of the collective conversation that we're having as people right now. They they aren't. This is not just me. This isn't just like I find this stuff really interesting. This is pertinent in a variety of ways to the biggest questions we're asking as human beings right now. Once I sort of got that. Then it was like, ah, I think this means something. And then we started in 2015, and then 2016 rolled around. <laughs> we had an election, and all the knobs did get turned up. And I, I, I do suppose, as a filmmaker, that was kind of a moment where I felt like I, 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 I knew I wanted to make this film, and now I know why we're making this film. Um, it felt like stuff Rob had been talking about for years and years and years and years and years suddenly um, – was put right back at the center of, of the conversation. And so for you, Rob, in 2016, as that's happening, like what part of the process are you in writing? What is the Bible? Like, where are you in that process before it drops in 2017? Um, uh, that book would have been done. Yeah. Yeah. I would have written, it was read. I mean, it was written and there might've been, yeah, so that book was already sort of ready to go. And so, real quickly, because I know we're talking about The Heretic, which is available on iTunes and Amazon right now. Let's talk real quick about the process of writing, because I will say this, knowing that it's totally unfair. In some ways, I wish you were James Patterson and had a new book every week, even though I know that's not fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're kind. But, well, because, like, and I feel, while drops like stars is probably my favorite just because of the creative aspect of it this is clearly the most important thing that you've written um and and i just wonder what was the process of going through that and how did you figure out how you wanted to organize the stories because it feels like you could it could have been 17 volumes and maybe it still will be oh man you're fantastic okay here's the truth honestly the truth is i was like i wonder if i sat down and wrote up all the stuff about the Bible that's rattling around in my head just to like free up Ram space. <laughs> it was like a just, and, and, and my friends who had never read the Bible, who would not even remotely consider themselves sort of religiously oriented. They were the ones who were like, dude, that stuff you do on the Bible, that stuff is awesome. I have one friend in particular who he was like, I love that Bible stuff. It's so, I've never heard any of that stuff. That's so cool. So he like I had friends who were like, you should do something on the on how you read the Bible. So I literally sat down and I started I would write it and then the next day put it on Tumblr. 
Um, and then I would write another chunk and put it on Tumblr. So the book originally was wow. on Tumblr, and then it was just, I think it ended up putting, a, I put 100,000 words on Tumblr, and then reorganized it down to like whatever it was, 75 for the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. It, well, and, and why I think it's so important, and I was having this discussion with my wife, um, whenever you dropped the Largo Christmas Show podcast, and you know the way in which you tell that story, especially leading out of 2017 into 2018... Oh yeah, you know is is something that you know I've been in church on and off most of my life, right? I've never heard the story tell like that, and the way in which you tell it seemed—I I don't know how many times you've told it like that—but seemed very important and very weighty. The end of last yeah. year into this year, and that's the really interesting thing. If you read the Bible, I would argue as it's meant to be read, you are instantly talking about the day and age that you're living in. Almost effortlessly, you can't help but not see. And then all those questions of, is it for today? Is it relevant? <laughs> it sounds like ridiculous. If you're actually tuned in to what it is, then, then, then a bunch of the debates and discussions are pointless because you're like, oh, my word. This is exactly what we're talking about right now. And that's, what I, that's the thing that I think most people, when they see that, it, now you have a whole different discussion on your hands. And one that I, I wish we would have more of, right? That that's why that, you know that's why I joke. I wish you would write all the time because I just think, well, because this is a this is a hole that we don't we don't really fill right now. We don't ask hard questions. We certainly don't seek out hard answers. And the way in which this book is written certainly does that. Which leads me, Andrew. I want to get back to you for a second because one of the things I struggle with, and Rob, I will let you answer this, but I, I want to ask Andrew. It's like. I struggle with how people that aren't necessarily on the Rob Bell train treat him. Because even if you do a Google search for this movie, none of these articles seem very fair in, in <laughs> like, what was your, as you're going through this two-year process, what was your experience with that, with the people that were on the other side of this? Yeah, I mean, my experience was that it's really, um, you know, on the surface, it's really ugly. And <clears throat> on the surface, it's... Um, yeah, my wife uh, produces with me, and and she was helping us do some archival research, and we we kind of went deep into the the dark Rob Bell web. <laughs> it's not very good for the soul. Is that is that you. called Twitter? I'm assuming that's called Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there's 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 a lot of hate, but I think when you get below the surface, I think there's there's also a lot of fear, and I think there's a lot of people that have built very tight, strict, firm structures. Um, around who they are and how they see the world. And anyone who comes along and challenges that, that's really disruptive to them. And while you and I might find that fascinating and exhilarating and life-giving, other people find that really disorienting. You know, So I think to me, the, the criticism of Rob has actually, if you listen to it carefully, it has a lot to say about the tradition itself, about bad religion itself. And it, 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 it's also, you know, at the same time, it's also like, there are ways in which I don't like when my beliefs are challenged. You know, there are ways in which that, like, I can say that about those people. Right. And right. I can also back up and say, you know, it's hard. It's hard to, um, it, it's hard when something confronts you that's, that's different than what you had initially thought of. Um, so yeah, it was a real part. I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of the orbit that kind of surrounds Rob. And then at the same time, 
it's also it, it almost like <laughs> it's like an afterthought to Rob and it's not really a central part of his life or his work. So it was in and around the filming and the process. And at the same time, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of felt like background after a while. And you get that sense in the film. However, there is one specific moment, I think with about 10 minutes left, Rob, where it feels like we get a glimpse of what that weight might feel like to you when you're talking about when Love Wins came out, right? Um, yeah. You know, because the rest of the film is super positive and, and it is total background, right? Even the way it's edited, it's just like, here's some talking heads saying ridiculous. Oh, and now Rob's yeah. going to say something impactful, right? But towards the end of that film, there's that brief moment where it feels like, okay, we get to see for a second what that weight feels like. Yeah, yeah, and that was definitely, uh, uh, that was um, the end of 2011 when I did that tour and nobody came and was like, oh, well, I guess we're starting over. That was a very, that, I mean, the film, I, uh, I was listening to it going, yeah, that's, that is, I was listening to myself in the film when I saw the film a couple days ago going, oh, yeah, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but I also, yeah, so it was like, oh. And I remember a friend of mine said, you know what? People don't switch audiences. That never happens. You don't, like, lose an audience and then pick up a new audience. That happens, like, w once in a great, great – and they were just saying, like, the odds that you can continue to do this work. Uh, but I also are pretty low. I also knew that there are millions and millions of people who are hungry, spiritually hungry for meaning and depth and can't stomach some of the traditional packages. So it's like you're just sort of floating in between. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that – and just uh, I love doing this work. I love making things. I love sharing them with people. So the idea that there's some person over there who has a problem with this, it's just like, what? Like, then it's not for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's so, so I think probably you picked up, like, uh, uh, having to answer for those people, uh, like a sort of weariness. I don't feel that. I haven't, that, that, was, that happened, was that seven years ago? It's not really a part of my honestly it's not a part of my life. And it does, yeah. and I don't want to give the sense that that's what I took away at all. I just no, there was there was that brief no. like where the door opens yeah. for just a second right, right, and you're right, like right. okay there there's still that must have yeah, sucked yeah, for you, you know. That was a definite season. That was a definite Oh yeah, that was a very real season there at the end of 2011-2012 of like I don't know where this is headed but you have to keep going. I think I make the joke about selling shoes. Right. That right. that was totally totally true. Like if I lose all of this and I sell shoes and and no one ever wants to publish a book again, at least I went down in flames with my integrity and my soul. You know what I mean? Sure. It was those sort of, that's what it felt like. Exactly what it felt like. And what's, you know, as you dig into like it, it, as I have an advantage over you in the fact that like I can look at your body of work and not have the connection that you have to it. I was talking to a friend to get ready for this and I was saying one of the things, and, and this goes back to what Andrew was saying about their fear. One of the things that I, I struggle with, with the people that just don't get it or just want to like in West Michigan, which you're really, you know, 
familiar with. Like one out of two people will have one of two reactions to you, which I find really interesting. Um, but what I was saying to her is like in the first three pages of Velvet Elvis, you essentially say what's coming, right? It's I don't remember who coined this quote, but it's like if a gun shows up in act one, it's killing somebody in act three, right? Like you essentially say the painting isn't done, which is exactly what you've been doing then for the next call yes. it 15 years, right? Right. And so I, I the surprise surprises me. And Andrew, to your point about fear... I get that, but let's pretend that it's a restaurant and your restaurant sh- serves hamburgers and people stop coming in. You would stop serving hamburgers. It's not as if Christianity in America is on the uptick, right? Like churches are not being overfilled with people who cannot wait to show up. So that well and that's where I struggle because like even if I even if I didn't agree with you, which clearly I'm a fan, but even if I didn't, like it's silly not to at least l- to listen and dismiss you outright because you have a different idea. Yeah, and I would. Oh, sorry, you're talking to him. I'm talking to both of you. Answer whoever. Okay. And I would, but but you're you're so right on. But you think about people who use the word orthodoxy or they use the word tradition. The tradition is innovation. The tradition is looking at your time and place and asking what is spirit up to and how do we orient ourselves around the new wind that's blowing. Um, like th- this is deep second century Celtic spirituality at the center of that time period. Care for the earth and respect for the sacred feminine were like pillars of second century Celtic. None of these new progressive whatever ideas people want to say, they're all there. You know what I mean? Yes, for and sure. What's interesting to me is the people who, who, who think they're defending a tradition but this tradition was on the move. The cloud was moving from day one. It is a limber, flexible, dynamic tradition. So the idea that somehow uh, what I'm doing is very, very historic and very, very orthodox. It's actually being true to the tradition. And that's why, honestly, Eric, like I think for me as a filmmaker, what was so intriguing about Rob's life and his work is that I think you have the work itself, which is saying something and it's interesting on a variety of levels, but then you have the actual example that you're alluding to that is his life. And I think it inspires people because there are a lot of people who were born into something, they were handed something very narrow, it didn't keep pace with the complexity of the world they found themselves in, and they had to to leave the tribe or continue down the path or keep growing. And because there's such a small sliver of a very wide tradition that very recently has come to define what is and what isn't Christian or evangelical or orthodox, or any of those things, a lot of people in this country feel alone or crazy. And that is, I think, why people, you know, that's why they look at someone like Rob and they, they find inspiration is because here's a person who took the tradition seriously, um, took the question seriously, and kept going. And I think there's a lot of people even, you know, reaching out as the film's being released that are saying like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And that real and that that's a I don't know, that's a very profound thing. A lot of people have been made to feel like if they are challenging the thing, they must be anti or outside or un uh when really as Rob's saying, that's the actual tradition. Yeah, and, and I'll give a I'll give a personal example without naming the place. When our daughter turned two, we had been unchurched for a while and we decided that we should probably get back into it and, and kind of raise our kids in a Christian pick pick an adverb right adjective tradition and we went to this church down the street 
And they were doing a four part, and this is when I left, but like they were doing a four part series where they just did a sermon on the people that were going to hell for four weeks. Like, he, all these people are going to hell. Okay, next week, all these people are going to hell. And, and I, you know, I, I looked at my wife and I'm like, okay, we need to go because I'm not, no kid gets to be exposed to whatever this is. But then I, I walked out of it and I sent the pastor an email and I said, hey, man, like, I don't know what you're doing, but what what the hell is this right and he's like oh i would love to sit down and talk to you and then invites us in doesn't show up sends two other people to be his proxy who then quote corinthians to me because that's what you do when you don't agree with orthodoxy um and i walked out of there thinking like i don't i don't i don't know why this isn't a story because if this happened to other people (laughs) you know i feel like this would be in a newspaper if i told you what happened in this in this room at a mega church right right Right, right. Actually, after four weeks of sermons on who, who I only made two. I only made two. I didn't go all four, so I don't know how it ended. I can't tell you. It seems like after two, you could just stand up and say, "Going to hell? We're already there." <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But that—that's where I struggle with. I don't dismiss their their struggle outright, but I struggle when I watch this and and see that stuff still happening. And even the reactions I was getting is, "I'm super excited to talk to you two guys," and one out of every two people's like, "Ugh." Right. Like, I don't I don't get you. I can't understand why you just dismiss it outright, because it feels so powerful and so important, even if you don't agree with you. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot there. I mean, I think there's a lot about uh, that idea of groupthink, that idea of unquestioned belief, that idea of absolute certainty. Um yeah, I mean, take religion out of the picture. Those have very real catastrophic consequences throughout human history. Sure. I mean, just let's be honest. And so I think to me, um, some of the patterns and things I see play out inside Christianity, um, they're distinct and they're really harmful, but they're not all that unusual. They're very <laughs> right. based in like a, a – a, not even a reptilian, but a very re- – like a regressive part of the human psyche that is very drawn to black and white, very drawn to we're in, they're out, we're right, they're wrong. We're, you know what I'm saying? And that's where, honestly, I think like, number one, to your point, number one, those stories have catastrophic impacts in people's lives. They lead people to lives of guilt, shame, fear, lack of joy. Um, that's real. And Rob, Rob articulates that in the film. And then collectively, they have led us to organize and create a world that is profoundly unjust radically unsustainable oh you know you go down the list like <laughs> right, these right. stories have actual consequences and they cut right to the heart of the way we choose to build the way we look at and treat the outsider the way we tr- choose to engage with people who are not from our tribe the way we choose to you know what i mean like yeah so that's why i think i'm excited about what's happening um right now in 2018 is I feel like for the first time in a long time, these issues, these questions, these ideas are being taken off the fringes and put right back at the center of our whole conversation together. Because I think we really are waking up, Rob and I were talking about this, I think we are waking up in 2018 to this profound humility that we haven't gotten it all right and that there's still a lot wrong in the world. And maybe we need to go back to the basics and figure out what what stories, what narratives, what assumptions led us to create this world, and what does it mean to create an actual, you know, a better story, a bigger, more beautiful view of the world moving forward. 
And so, Andrew, I don't remember which article I read that they actually talked to one of you two about the project as opposed to just talking about it. But you had said that this to you was your most personal work. Um, do you have any sense of what direction you're going next or what is your creative process like? Are you going to decompress for a little bit? What, like, what, do you, what does that look like for you? My creative process uh, involves a, usually a long stint of unemployment that I'm <laughs> against now. No, I don't know. For whatever reason, I've never been able to do two things at one time. And these things kind of take a lot of, um, I don't know, they take my whole being. You know, they take all my, my energy and focus. So literally, we just had the premiere. We're doing some press. Uh, the film's getting out there. And then I'll figure out what's next. I always It always kind of emerges. I think it, it usually just comes from a very personal place of curiosity but i think um if there's anything that links all the projects i think it is the fact that i'm very 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 interested in the stories that we're telling and the stories that we're believing because they really are shaping the world and i think that anytime i get the chance to take a new road in to one of those stories and that's what rob was rob was an entry point he was a lens to look through he was like a trojan horse that like <laughs> you start out this is a film about this guy and then before you realize that it's gone into the heart of a lot of how we've we've shaped our society and our, our morality in, in terms of personally and collectively so yeah i'll do something like that again but we'll see awesome and there's there's obviously some other trojan horses in in the film because i think for me, I, I watched the film three times. I watched the first time just to enjoy it and the other two to just kind of like pull some stuff out. And and even the third time watching, there's a minute with Pete Holmes, which is probably, I think, one of the most profound things not said by Rob. And I, I think that's very interesting because I think in in their relationship, it feels like he is Rob's anger translator in some ways right where he gets to say the things that rob can't say but there's this moment where he talks about the ottoman you never wanted and i want to talk about like what it was what that was like getting that stuff out of him and and very specifically i talked in december with um uh hughes about the defiant ones on hbo and he was talking specifically about he would have his crew record even before the subject sat down to get some of that that stuff and i i wonder when you were doing these interviews what was that process like and and when that moment happened what was going on oh it's so thrilling by the way the defiant ones is insanely it's good. amazing amazing i just i'm actually rewatching that right now it's one of the best things i've ever seen um yeah, it's just really fun. I mean, my my process is not really a process. I just sit down and and look the person in the eye. I have a a producing partner who does the camera and the the sound stuff, and we just try to create an, an environment where we have real conversation, you know. And I think that um, Pete was Pete was phenomenal. I mean, like Pete has some incredible insight, and like totally, it serves, it, it serves the film in a variety of ways because it's funny. So in one sense, it lets the it lets the pressure out. Like when we were at the <laughs> Right. Premiere, it was a great feeling as a filmmaker when those when, when 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 that first line from him got a laugh, it was like everything in me relaxed. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. like they're with us. Like we're doing, you know. Um, but yeah, I was shocked by the emotion of that. I was actually um I was talking to someone yesterday and I was telling them that, that was an that was an incredibly emotional interview because I think what Pete's articulating is something that is it kind of raises the stakes. It kind of reminds you that like these as I said earlier, these stories aren't ancillary. These are these are defining narratives for people's lives. And I think because he had grown up in that personally, because I had grown up in that personally, um, 
Yeah, there was just a lot about that that was very, very, very powerful. When I think you walk away with it, like as a parent, I'm going, okay, well, I need to be super cognizant of the fact that, you know, you just said you grew up in it, he grew up in it, I grew up in it. And then, you know, you you think, okay, well, I don't want to do that again. How do I not do that again? How do I teach my kids properly while still allowing them to challenge the system because that's healthy for them and super important, right? Yeah, I think it's something a lot of us are wrestling with. I was telling someone the other day, I, I, it's like, you know, you forget how long in human history people grew up in the tribe with the family and the elders and you had the traditions and the way and you did it. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people ought to just like take a deep breath and realize that what a lot of us are doing in this moment is very challenging because we are coming from traditions and tribes and groups and we're also forming new ones. And we're really standing in a world that's in need and in the beginning of reinvention. And so what that means for us as parents, as people, what that means for us, for our own traditions that we're starting, for our own, like, yeah, there, everybody I talk to right now is in that space where it's like, how do I raise thoughtful, loving, compassionate people and not uh, burden them with the damage of really destructive dogma? Right, for sure. So, Rob, the, the premiere was this past weekend. You go into it and, you know, What's happening in your head as you're watching it? What happens when you do the Q&A afterwards? What was that whole experience like? Uh, totally surreal and overwhelming. I haven't been speechless in a long... I I was utterly speechless. I Five minutes into the film, I was like... I said something to Kristen like, Hey, I think this is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had like some sort of... I got caught up in it um, and stopped. See, I was able to watch it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Like the first five minutes, you're hearing your voice on an answer machine going, is that what my voice sounds like? And then something kicked in and I just got caught up in it. And I was, I saw it like out of body, if that makes sense. Almost like third person. And it was, it was, I, I'm still trying to figure out uh what those sensations were and then afterwards andrew and i talked about it but i didn't make much sense i was sort of in a fog (laughs) and i think also to be honest with you i was sitting there with my with Kristen and our three kids and they like our kids have popcorn and licorice and they're like in for a movie right i mean and i'm watching it had like a this is your life sort of um i don't know it was like this floating a little bit above the whole thing yeah I'm still sort of trying to, I think I've spent the past week sort of floating around like that happened, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And normally, yeah, normally I would have probably given you all sorts of clever responses that I crafted and instead I'm like, yeah, it was sort of overwhelming. Do you think you'll watch it again as you decompress or were you just still kind of like mull it over? It's funny. I think I probably will. I really, I loved hearing my friends talk. I think I probably will. Yeah, to be honest with you. And that's weird. I thought I would just maybe see it once and then, you know, go on to the next thing. Because I generally just make, I'm generally make something or I'm, in this case, Andrew makes something that I'm in and then I'd sort of be on. But yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah. So in, in in that sense, like, because I'm much the same way, I just ship it and then I never come back to it. Like, do you, do you go back and listen to podcasts or no? Do you just want to? I've never heard, I've never read one of my books. I've never, uh, I've never listened to my podcasts. 
I think I listened to one where I interviewed somebody, but they were singing, so I thought that was. But like, we made some short films called Numas. There's a bunch yep. of them I haven't seen. I haven't se- a bunch of them I haven't seen. I am not nostalgic, man. I make it, and then it's out of my head, and then I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. And so, speaking of that, do you know what the next thing is once this press run is over? Yeah. I mean, aside from the, the tour, which I'm going to uh, see you in Chicago in three weeks, but. Oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some, yeah. <laughs> stuff I'm pretty excited about. Awesome. Yeah. Will, will there, you know, circle back to a question I asked you about a half hour ago. Like, will there be essentially other versions of what is the Bible? Is that in the works at all or no? Um, you know, actually a lot of podcast episodes that I do, like I just did the a parable of the yep. vineyard. Um, a lot of times instead of writing it, I just do it as a podcast episode, um, because I like getting it, capturing it. Yeah. There, I have some other ideas. Yeah. There's some, yeah, I have some ideas. Gotcha. Uh, there won't be a, what is the Bible too? Well, I shouldn't say <laughs> the, ret- the return. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I'll, it's interesting you ask that. I endlessly have – well, here's an example. George Bush during the Iraq War lands on an aircraft carrier and announces mission accomplished. Remember that? I do remember that, yes. And quotes from the book of Isaiah. Okay. Isaiah is written – there's pre-exile and post-exile parts of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is talking – Isaiah's been on the receiving end of horrific violence at the hand of a military superpower, and he's talking about a peace and a restoration in the wake of that violent oppression. So a global military superpower (laughs) leader lands on an aircraft carrier to proclaim victory over a Middle Eastern country, and he quotes a book that comes from a Middle Eastern country written by somebody on the receiving end of violence at the hand of a military superpower. You're with me on this. Absolutely, yes. I mean, this... The, so, um, I never stop... The Bible actually is more interesting to me than ever. Uh, the book of Daniel right now, I, uh, I'll get like... I'll get... I'll go way down the rabbit hole, and then eventually something will come out of that. And so, you're clearly somebody who is, you know is a consumer of pop culture and super quick-witted and, and all of that stuff what is your like what is your process to get back to the bible like is it a question out in the ecosystem that you go oh that reminds me of this and then you go read that book or is it i'm just drawn to the book of daniel so i'm going to do that and see what comes out of that i know often yeah it's a very good question it's very mysterious how it works all uh the other day i was like wait Jesus quotes the minor prophets a number of times. Wouldn't that be interesting to do the minor prophets who are talking about justice, equality, oppression? I mean, they, they what the prophets were talking about. Some people think the prophets were the first articulation in human history of a coherent vision of social justice. So that's just wow. interesting human human wise. Sure. And so so an example would be all of a sudden think I should do a series on specific lines from the prophets and then at the end of each one you would find out that it's a line that's a that's a line that jesus quotes and how did he then read the prophets if you had the background so all suddenly have like some idea like that and uh i'll just sort of live with it and then 
it will gradually tell me what it is. This is a book. This is a podcast. This says something to do with a future tour. This is a thing. This is a show with Pete Holmes. This is a, that's how it works. It's very, very strange. It sort of grows over time and, and announces what it is. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. I still don't understand the process, to be honest with you. And that's, pro- that's probably better, right? Because it's still working. So why figure it it's out? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, you know, I don't want to hold you guys all afternoon. I could talk to you guys forever, but, you know, I, I will, I will end around this area. Um, and, and that is the final shot in the movie, which might be one of the most perfect endings to a movie I've ever seen. Was that all in one take? Did you know you were going to do that? Like, I don't want to give it away for anyone who has not seen it, but like, was that part of the because i i literally go well that's about as perfect as you could end that yeah that was fun what was fun about that morning was that was the last thing we shot uh that was just the beach here was it really the last thing in the movie yeah it was the last thing we shot it It was because we went out that morning yeah oh we had we had had finished everything and we went out there it was me uh my producing partner michael ross and rob and that's that's actually a special beach because it's while not being the most extraordinary it's it's the one right by us that we go to a lot and um yeah it was it was incredible and that shot that you see uh i mean it doesn't record for anyone there's basically um it's in the water it's in the ocean and what happens when that camera goes down is i was filming rob on a wave and then a wave just took me out (laughs) (laughs) so yeah when we got when we got back to the the edit and started looking through it yeah it, it felt kind of beautiful i like that shot a lot it's yeah, it's fabulous. It's fabulous, guys. the The movie is fantastic. The Heretic. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. And Andrew, will there be other distribution models, or is that the two places that people are going to get it? Uh, yeah, it's going crazy right now. So there, there's going to be some more. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out as we go here. But um, yeah, those are those are the spots right now. There's also if if people want like hard copy stuff, there's um, DVD and Blu-ray. Amazon just put up for pre-order. I think that ships like at the end of the month. So. Uh, for all you people with DVD players out there, <laughs> we made them. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Andrew, Rob, thank you so much for the time. Have a wonderful weekend. And Rob, I'll see you in Chicago. Excellent. Thank Good you. See you. See you guys. <laughs>